The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 9. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. Amen. God in heaven, the high king of all the earth, ruler over your church, the one who has created us and everything that we see, Lord, we give praise and honor to your name today. You are our God and we are your people. And we have gathered together today as your people to worship you, to sing praises, to declare your excellencies, not only to our own hearts, but to the hearts of those in this room and in our church family. Lord, we pray that By your will, according to your delight, you would pour out your spirit upon us today, your people. That as we worship you, the things that we say, the things that we think, and the things that we do this day would honor you and glorify you. Lord, we're not here for the praise of men, but to hear and to behold and be in your presence. Lord, we pray that you would join our hearts together as your people. That even now, as we worship you, that there would be unity among your body, the church. And Lord, we join our voices together now to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 845 in the green hymnal if you would like to look there. I'm going to begin by asking you, since this is a confession of your faith, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and cling to him alone as their righteousness and their reason for expecting entrance into heaven. Hear these words of the assurance of God's pardon from the book of Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Let us continue to worship now and turn in your hymnal to number 55 as we sing together to God be the glory.
Sunday school, you heard uh, Reverend Oliver say that Jesus is calling men from every tribe and tongue and nation around the world into his kingdom, taking them out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing them into his kingdom of marvelous light. So when you confess today that I believe in the communion of the saints, there is something actually very special and sacred about that. Not only do we believe that God gives us communion with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, that's the most important there in that phrase. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sins? Have you confessed faith in Him alone as the only reason that He should allow you into heaven? That's number one. Do you know the Lord? Number two, you also have special and sweet communion with saints who have gone on to be in heaven. You know that the, the angels and the hosts of heaven are rejoicing today in God's presence. They are singing and worshiping Him. And we believe that according to God's Word, we are taking part in that great and glorious worship as we gather as God's people, the church, today to sing praises to Jesus. Not to sing praises to ourselves, but to sing them to Him. But also there's a third thing about the communion of the saints. We also believe that as we confess we believe in the communion of the saints, that there is a special and a very unique bond among God's people because we belong to Him. It doesn't mean that everyone who is a Christian is going to look like us. We believe there are Christians in every nation where God has placed His people. Where the gospel has been proclaimed, it's done the work that God desire to do in it, and he's accomplished that. And that means that there are people who are believers who have different skin color, different hair color. They probably also speak different languages. They have a different culture. They don't have the, the United States flag as the flag in their country. They live in every country around the world. You know that you will be joining the host of heaven one day when God calls you home. If you belong to him, you will be in a family and seated around a table at the wedding supper of the Lamb with people from every tribe and tongue and nation. We believe that by faith. 
We believe that when the Lord calls us home, it will be glorious and that we will worship him. And one of the ways that you know, and this is special today, especially on a fifth Sunday, as we think about going and having this meal, later in, after our worship service, it would be easy to think the communion of the saints is when we get to have a fifth Sunday fellowship meal. That's what communion is. But the Bible says that our communion is by God's Spirit, according to His power, He joins us together to love one another in the church. And in 1 John it says that we know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. And there is a deep, special bond. Not because we look like one another or like the same things, but because God has called us to Himself by His Spirit. So today, don't think communion is just having a meal. And don't think of it simply as participating in the Lord's Supper. Communion is something you enjoy every time you are with God's people. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for our covenant children. I thank you for their families. And Lord, I lift them up to you in prayer that you would call them to yourself at a young age, that they would profess their own faith in you, that they belong to you, that you have forgiven their sins because they have trusted in you because of Jesus' special and unique work on the cross, shedding his precious blood and cleansing them. Lord, I pray that you would also put in their hearts a special love for one another, saints in the church, people who look like them and people who don't, people who speak the same language as them and people who don't. Lord, help us even in this county to be known as a church that loves people, that loves one another and that loves one another well. Lord, I pray that you would guide them in your ways in the, in the coming days of this week, that as they are beginning this day in worship, that they would walk out with the message and hope of the gospel on their lips. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. This morning for our responsive reading, please turn in your uh, hymnal to page 838. We will read together Psalm 145. Page 838. I'll begin with the light portion. Please respond out loud together with the bold. Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. So that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, and all who wait in him will destroy. 
My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship and sing hymn number 453, All Authority and Power. This morning for our pastoral prayer time, I wanted to take the opportunity to pray for uh, Chaplain Oliver, for his ministry in our uh, United States military and the Army, for the men and women that he serves, and also uh, to pray that the Lord would bless his family as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the, the privilege that we have as your people gathered here for worship today to offer up our hearts and our petitions to you, to acknowledge that it is according to your will and your providence in our lives that all of our prayers are heard and answered according to your perfect time. We thank you, Lord, that you condescend to us, that you love us in the Lord Jesus Christ, that his perfect life and death and resurrection on our behalf, by faith is accounted to us, and that upon him you put all of our sins, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. Lord, we have confessed already that we believe that that is only because of your good pleasure alone and not because of anything that we could do or have done. We acknowledge and admit that what we have earned is punishment due because of our sins and our sinfulness. And we rejoice that you have put on the Lord Jesus Christ, on behalf of his people, all of the wrath of God. And that there no longer remains any condemnation for those who are in Christ. We thank you for that. We rejoice in it. We say hallelujah to you, our King. Lord, what a privilege it is to have Chaplain Oliver with us today. To be able to hear him proclaim the word of God. To be encouraged by hearing about his ministry in the Sunday school hour, and now as we worship you, to hear him preach the word of God to us. We pray, Lord, that you would illumine our hearts and minds, that you would pour out your spirit upon your people to hear the words of life and truth and to receive them by faith. Lord, I lift him up to you, that you would encourage and strengthen him and build him up in the work of ministry that you have called him to. 
He goes as a beacon of light holding forth the great light of the Lord Jesus Christ in a dark place in our military. Lord, I pray that you would give him great wisdom and discretion as he makes decisions, as he interacts with others, as he teaches. I pray, Lord, that you would give him delight in using his gifts. But I pray also, Lord, that you would help him on the days when things are difficult and dark and dreary, not because of the mundaneness of routine, but because of some of the difficulty that he has to navigate day in and day out. Lord, I pray that you would also be protecting his marriage, that you would bless his adult children and his grandchildren. And Lord, I pray that you would be building up, even in his family, a heritage of faith that his grandchildren would know. Not only does he serve as a military man, but he serves as a minister of the gospel, serving our, our nation, serving us by ministering to men and women who are preparing to go into harm's way for us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the freedom that we enjoy in this country. We confess, Lord, help us to remember that it's not because of goodness in us that we enjoy the freedoms that we have. Lord, help us to remember that it is because of your good pleasure that you have done this, that we could live in any other nation around the world, that our worship today could be different. It could be not as free and carefree as it is. And it would not be any any cause in our minds to think that you don't love us. And Lord, we do lift up to you our brothers and sisters around the world who do worship you in fear today, who name the name the Lord Jesus Christ and do so to their own hurt. And Lord, I do also pray for our church family here at Lebanon. There are many requests and concerns, things that are going through our minds and hearts even right now. It would be easy to be distracted during this service of worship of the living God to think about family issues, financial struggles, personal trials that we are going through and health concerns that weigh us down. Lord, I pray that you would help us in this time to be able to surrender those things to you, knowing that you will answer our prayers according to your perfect will. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we may pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. my friends. If you have your scriptures with you, if you'll please turn to Matthew chapter 28, and this morning we'll be looking at verses 16 through 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. The book of Matthew was written by God through the apostle Matthew, and where this particular text is very relevant for you and for me, it really highlights what we as believers, as a part of the universal church, need to be focused on. So read along with me, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This is our Lord Jesus talking. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Will you pray with me? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship you by diving into your Holy Scripture, I pray that the Holy Spirit would empower me to boldly preach your truth. I pray your Holy Spirit would protect me from error. And I pray that every single person in this sanctuary and every single person listening to the sermon would, would be encouraged by having this time with you in your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, this past May, I turned 53 years old. And I know all of us older people always think the younger generation doesn't get it, right? We're all guilty. I remember when my grandparents didn't think my generation got it. But there does seem to be a very historical change that's taking place in our present culture. And that is the rising of the nuns. Not rising of the nuns. Rising of the nuns. Nuns meaning no religious 
preference. If you look at our present culture, organized religion is in decline in North America. Christianity is actually in decline in North America. Right now, the younger generations, they're spiritual, but spiritual means I believe whatever I want to believe. And lots of times it's just to justify whatever actions they want to do. My point is this. The text we just read was about the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, the mission of the church, is more important than ever. And so, my friends, the main point of this sermon simply is this. The universal church, meaning all believers on this side of glory, must renew its focus on worship, on evangelism, and on edification. The universal church must renew its focus on worship, evangelism, and edification in those those three areas that we're going to be looking at this morning. First, let's look at worship. Well, who do we as believers, who do we worship? Well, we worship the triune God. Look at Matthew chapter 28, the latter part of verse 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. My friends, we believe in one God that's composed of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A God who has always been in existence will always be in existence and does everything for his glory. Specifically, we as believers, we worship Jesus's supremacy. Look at Matthew chapter 8. 28, the very beginning part of verse 17. And when they saw him, the disciples and the people who were with them, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. Drop down to verse 18. And Jesus came and said, and came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is supreme. But the question has to be asked, well, I hear you saying that, Oliver, but why is Jesus supreme? Well, I'm going to use this text and other texts to give us the answer, and I want to submit to you four answers about Jesus' supremacy. First is this, Jesus is the creator. Where do we see that? Well, we see that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him, being Jesus All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things, all things were created through him and for him. Sometimes in our simple little minds we think, well, we understand God and then talking about Jesus and also Jesus just kind of shows up some 2,000 years ago. No, Jesus has always been in existence. He is the creator of everything. Not only is Jesus the creator, which is why he's supreme, but he's also the redeemer. Simple definition of redemption. Rescue from a predicament by payment of a price. The predicament you and I have is that we are flawed. We're sinful. We need to be saved from ourselves. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. When I gossip the gospel to myself, I'm blown away by the reality that Jesus took all of my sins and all of your sins on the cross. And then he gives us as a gift his righteousness. How great is our Redeemer. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. Jesus is the Christ. Mark chapter 8, verse 29. And he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. Christ meaning you are the promised ordained king. You're it. You are the alpha and the omega. So Jesus is Supreme because he's the creator, he's the redeemer, he's the Christ, and he is the comforter. Going back to our original text, Matthew chapter 28, the latter part of verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end 
of the age. My friends, it blows away my mind to realize that no matter where I am in the world, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what I'm going through, I am not alone. Jesus is with me. And Jesus, no matter what you're going through, whether it be in your marriage or raising of children or grandchildren or your job or your sickness, Jesus is with you. He, through the Holy Spirit, is the Comforter, John Chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, being the Holy Spirit, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Jesus is the comfortable and the comfortable, and the Holy Spirit links us to our almighty Jesus. You know, even though I'm old, I'm like technology as well. And lots of times when I'm bored and I don't want to read, which believe it or not, I'll confess, I don't like to read. I love watching videos, though. And I love watching YouTube videos. And two of my modern-day heroes of the faith, one of them is a Reformed Baptist guy named John Piper. Anybody here John Piper? Love John Piper. He's written some fantastic books. But his early books were very God-centered. Theologians would call that fancy word theocentric. But throughout time, John Piper, as he's grown, has moved to being very Christ-centered, Christocentric. My friends, everything is about Jesus. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is simply this. Jesus has always been God, and Jesus at one point in time left the luxuries of heaven. And took on two additional forms. The form of a human being and the form of a servant. And he lived a life all of us should have, but we can't because of our sin, because we're flawed. And he took our sins to the cross and he gives us his righteousness. How great is Jesus. He is supreme. Our lives are set to worship him. But this worship ties to the Great Commission, ties to the mission of the church. And the mission of the church are two E's, or E squared for you math people. Evangelism and edification. Evangelism, simple definition, is just sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Sharing the gospel. Look at Matthew chapter 28, the beginning part of verse 19. Go there, therefore and make Disciples of all nations. What are we to do as far as sharing the gospel? We're to do evangelism to all people. One of the things I really very much so like about the army is the army is more of a melting pot than our actual American culture is. You got people all kind of different races and backgrounds in the army. And sometimes when I look at that, I think, reminds me of heaven. So we shared in Sunday school how, and it's shared in the children's room, how God is drawing people from every race, tribe, tongue, people group into his glorious kingdom. Evangelism. But how do people become believers? Submit to you two answers. The first answer is gospel proclamation. You know, we've seen it. Football games, football season's coming up. Any Carolina fans in here? Yes? No? No? One? Two? Okay. You're in the state. You need to conform. All right? I'm not a Carolina. Wait, wait. We'll talk about that at last. Bottom line, gospel proclamation. If you see a football game, especially NFL games, there's always that one person with the little son, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. One of the questions I was asked in the Sunday school was, well, how do you share the gospel? And I start with sin, because everyone can agree that we live in a messed up world. And then not only can we agree we live in a messed up world, as you peel back that onion, you realize, I'm messed up. And I can't fix myself. I need someone to fix me, and that someone, my friends, is Jesus. And the motivation to fix you is Love. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That is gospel proclamation. So a simple application for you and for me is, even as believers, do we proclaim the gospel to ourselves day by day, moment by moment? But also a part of evangelism is not only gospel proclamation, but it's also gospel transformation. God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay exactly how we are. He wants us to become more like Jesus, more like himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Part of gospel transformation is when you become a believer, you're on that trajectory to become more like Jesus. And in glory, you will be like Jesus. That, my friends, is gospel transformation. Matthew chapter 28, the latter part of verse 19, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Baptism is one of the two sacraments that we participate in. The other one is the Lord's Supper. And the beautiful thing about baptism, in context of believer's baptism, is we're acknowledging the reality that that God has already poured out his Holy Spirit on this person. That person has become a believer. And that person is on that trajectory to grow and to become more and more like Jesus. I shared this with the Sunday school class, but my first deployment, I graduated from the chaplain officer basic leadership course, 2007, April 2007. Three weeks later, I'm in Iraq in combat for 15 months. And one, I got plugged into our forward operating bases chapel and I was preaching on a regular basis and I noticed on the back pew, right where you're sitting, sir, there was an Iraqi translator who was there. And what I didn't know until halfway through the deployment was the other Iraqi translators had become believers and they were trying to share the gospel with this particular person whose name was Halil Mohammed. Mohammed named after the prophet Mohammed of Islam. Long story short, this person became a believer. And then this person asked me, and I had the privilege of baptizing. And when he got baptized, he specifically chose a new Christian name. The first part of that name is Michael after me, which I thought was a huge mistake, but so be it. He did it anyway. And the second was Paul after the Apostle Paul. His name changed from Halil Muhammad to Michael Paul. He had transformation. And to this day, he's now a gospel minister in the United States. But friends, you too are representatives of Jesus, no matter where you are. In your recreations, at your work, within your family. And let our great God transform you into the person that he wants you to be. Evangelism. What's the church in business for? That's half of our mission. Evangelism. Seeing non-believers become believers. And friends, right now, as Jesus said some 2,000 years ago, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So you and I need to get focused on sharing the good news of the gospel to whoever. I really want to emphasize this. Being, sharing evangelism doesn't mean you need to be called and go to nowhere Africa and share the gospel. Unless God specifically calls you for that. And if that's so, great. But share the gospel right here. Right in this community. Whenever the opportunity presents itself. You know, I minister right now in the army in a pluralistic environment, which means I can't be a Bible thumper and shove Christianity down people's throats. But I do share it when it has the, I have the opportunity to. Let us all be men and women who capitalize on those gospel opportunities. So we've seen as a universal church, we must renew our focus on worship, on evangelism, and then finally, the last E, we need to focus on edification. Look at Matthew chapter 28, the very beginning part of verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
You might be saying, Oliver, you already read that. Well, I'm reading it again. Here's why. Being a believer is not a one-time historical event. As a believer, I became a believer. I'm good. No! You grow edified to become more holy. To grow in sanctification. To become more holy. Or for us layman people, and I like direct language, that's why I'm an army guy, to become more like Jesus. That's the goal of edification. And we accomplish this through three th- two things. Gospel growth and gospel perseverance. Let's look at gospel growth. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What did Jesus constantly say? If you love me, you will obey me. Can we obey him perfectly on this side of glory? No, but that's the goal. The goal is to love God and love others. Galatians 2, just 20 says this, as far as gospel growth. I have been crucified with Christ. Put your name at the very beginning part of the verse. You have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Any of y'all ever taken the love languages test? You know, in, in marriage counseling, I'll use love languages, meaning all of us receive love different ways. And there's all kinds of, I have the least exciting love language. Mine is active service. Which means like when I was deployed, if I called and talked to my wife on the phone and she's like, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm like, okay. But if she's like, hey, I drove your truck, the lawn's mowed, the dog's okay. I'm like, oh, I feel loved, right? It's very not exciting, right? But the one love language I score zero on is gifts. I'm a horrible Christmas birthday shopper. Because I just, I don't really like receiving gifts and I'm not good at giving gifts. That led to some spiritual damage in my life because the gospel is a gift. You can't earn it. I grew up in the PCA. My family was one of the first churches that planted the first PCA church in Nashville, Tennessee. And I don't know how, but somewhere in my teenage years, I became very legalistic. I was a Protestant Pharisee. I was saying with my mouth, it's all about Jesus, but I was trying to earn celestial brownie points. I was trying to earn my way into heaven. You can't. You can't. Why? Because it's a gift. A holy God cannot have a relationship with unholy people. Period. You have to be made holy again. And none of you, including the one who's talking, can make themselves holy. You're only made holy through Jesus. You know, before... I even went to seminary. I was a financial planner for about eight years. So I was a stockbroker and I sold insurance and all those other things. And if you ever notice the stock market, overall, it's a bull market since the Great Depression. But there's highs and lows, right? Sometimes your investments, you all know this right now, sometimes your investments are doing well and sometimes your investments aren't doing well. But overall, it's increasing. Friends, that's life this side of glory. Sometimes we're getting it and we're really growing in the Christian faith and sometimes we're not getting it. All Every single person in this room is a backslider at some point, to include the person who's talking. Sometimes we get it, sometimes. But overall, we're growing in the gospel. That's gospel growth. But part of that gospel growth, the reason our growth is always a bull market is because of gospel perseverance. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, not, not that I have already obtained this or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Every believer is going to get to the finish line of glory. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. My mom... When growing up in Nashville and specifically Brentwood, Tennessee, we had our little brick breakfast nook. And before school, you know, we'd have breakfast there. 
And this is back in the 80s, 70s and 80s where needlepointing was really in vogue. Remember when the ladies would have sewing clubs and so My mom had 10,000 needlepoints all over the house. And one of the needlepoints she had framed was a kid who was in the garden. He's all dirty. And the slogan at the bottom of the needlepoint was, I know I'm going to make it because God doesn't sponsor no flops. Every single believer in this sanctuary, and listen to me, right? You're going to make it to glory because Jesus doesn't sponsor any flops. He took the flop on himself and he gives you his perfection. That is gospel perseverance. 2 Timothy 4.18 says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's Jesus who gets you there. It's not about you. We respond in worship to what Jesus has done in amazement of what he has done. Why? Because his grace truly is amazing. My friends, if I started confessing my gross sin in my past, you would probably start screaming, raise your hands out, and run out of the sanctuary. But if I knew your gross sins, I'd be scared preaching to you right now. Or, or I'd preach all day saying these people really need Jesus. The point of the matter is we all need Jesus. When our foreparents, Adam and Eve, sinned and brought in the cancer of sin into creation, everything has been a mess ever since. To include you and to include me. And when God pours out his Holy Spirit upon us and we become believers, and then we grow into faith and we become more like Jesus, yes, ten steps forward, five steps back, but overall, we become like Jesus in one glory, stay in glory. We will be exactly like Jesus. We will be perfect. Scripture tells us in heaven we are co-heirs with Christ. And the only way we're that is because of Christ. He is everything. My friends, our culture and present culture is in bad shape. But you know, we've been in bad shape ever since Adam and Eve sinned. We're honest. But right now, presently in our existing contemporary culture, there's the rising of the no religious preference people. And more than ever, the universal church, the body of believers on this side of glory, must renew our focus on worship, evangelism, and edification. Who do we worship? We worship the triune God, and we know that Jesus is supreme. How is he supreme? He's the creator. He's the redeemer. He's the Christ. He's the comforter. And knowing that, you know this being good PCA reform people, what's the chief end of man? Chief end of man is what? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. So we're to focus on this great commission of evangelism and edification. Evangelism, we're going to do gospel proclamation, share the good news of Jesus to people who have never heard about Jesus, and then when they become believers, we see gospel transformation. They grow and become more like Jesus, which leads to the second part of that mission of the church, and that is edification, gospel growth, and gospel perseverance. My friends, sometimes some of you are wrestling with some sin, and you're like, I don't know if the gospel is taking my life. Why am I still struggling with fill in the blank? But just look at where you were when you first became a believer and look at where you are now. I guarantee you, you will see gospel growth. You will see gospel growth. Listen, ministry is messy. Church life is messy. Your life is messy. But Jesus cleans up the mess, and that's why we're to continue with gospel growth and gospel perseverance. Know that Jesus will get you to the finish line. It's been very encouraging for me. I love coming to different churches and just sharing what chaplains do in Sunday schools and in worship services. But I really do want you and I to really heed to the present challenge in today's culture. And that is today's culture more than ever needs Jesus. And lots of times because our culture has gotten so politically correct and so woke, for God-fearing people, sometimes we just keep our mouths shut. Because like, I just don't want all the messiness and the hassle that comes with that. 
Well, friends, our job is to push back the effects of the fall wherever we are in life. Because remember what the book of James says, our life is a vapor. We're here for a little while, and then we're gone. So let us as a church, and let us as individual believers, capitalize on those gospel opportunities that our Lord provides, and boldly share the name of all names, Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, just thank you that you didn't leave us to our own devices. Thank you didn't you did not just leave us to destruction and to eternal separation from you and for your people. The glorious news of the gospel is that because of Jesus, we will be with you and your people forever. And let us motivate us now, this day, to any time we have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with others. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Let's respond together to God's word by standing and singing hymn number 441, Jesus Shall Reign.
Thank you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the, the privilege that it is to bring to you now our tithes and our offerings. And we pray, Lord, that you would use them for the sake of spreading the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation, not only throughout our church families, but also in this county, in the state, and in the United States, and throughout the world. And Lord, we do thank you and praise you that according to your word, your kingdom cannot fail, and you will accomplish the mission that you came to do, to bring lost souls into the kingdom. And we thank you, Lord, that through this participation in this offering, that we participate in that mission with you. We pray, Lord, that you would help us as we give to know that our hearts don't belong to the things of this world, that our hearts belong to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to pray for our meal next door. Again, if you are visiting with us today, or if you're not visiting and you forgot to bring something, please don't allow that to be something that would keep you from staying and enjoying fellowship. I'm sure the Lord will provide. Let's pray. I'll bless our meal. Father in heaven, we pray that you would pour out your spirit as we fellowship with one another. We thank you for this fifth Sunday as a reminder of your hand of blessing and your providence over all of our lives. We pray that you would bless this food that we're about to eat, bless the hands that prepared it, and may we enjoy our fellowship in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Receive the benediction of our Lord. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.